For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Steve Berman, who now covers the Oakland Athletics for The Athletic, about what's going on with the green and gold over across the bay in Oakland. I know a lot of A's fans upset over the last week when they've seen the tiered all-star voting leave out first baseman Matt Olson, who ranks among the top first baseman in just about every offensive category in the American League. The A's sitting in second place in the American League West, still not getting the love that they deserve. All things we can talk about with Steve Berman, who joins me next. Today is Wednesday, June 30th. It is my pleasure to welcome to the update. For the first time, I think that I've had him as a guest, or maybe the second or third time as a guest, because he's filled in for me on the update. But the first time as the A's beat writer for The Athletic, Steve Berman joins me. Steve, how are you, man? How's been the uh, the first week and a half, two weeks or so of covering A's baseball? It's been a lot of fun. I was covering the A's a bit, you know, here and there, maybe two or three games a week sometimes, but to actually be on the beat full time and actually get to go on the field before games because now they have that access where if you're vaccinated, you can be on the field. You still have to wear a mask, but yeah, I was able to actually talk to Bob Melvin face to face for the first time all season. So yeah, it feels like things are kind of getting back to normal and it was fun to see fans of the ballpark over the weekend and you know, it should be also another great series this weekend coming up against the Red Sox. Yeah, I was thinking about that last weekend at Oracle. Like, if you were going to draw up a schedule for the reopen of baseball after COVID in San Francisco, you'd probably want it to be against the Dodgers or against the A's. And I think the A's, maybe the same thing. Might have been fun for A's fans if their opening series at home was against the Astros or something like that to get their booze in. But I thought it was a pretty good opportunity. And you mentioned getting to talk to Bob Melvin. Did you get to pick his brain at all on the field after Saturday night when he got ran from that game? Bob Melvin, not a guy in my memory or just guessing or thinking about the history of him as a manager who gets tossed a whole lot. What was that about? Yeah, so Melvin actually uh, did his press conference really fast, his Zoom conference, after the game on Saturday because it's only pre-game where we were able to talk to him on the field. So after the game, it was the same Zoom setup, and the Wi-Fi wasn't working. And by the time I was done, I think he had like a 90-second Zoom conference. He was not in a good mood. <laughs> and he said at the time that he was sticking up for Sean Murphy. The umpire was showing him up, and he didn't like the strike zone either, and that was pretty much it. And then I was able to, on Sunday morning, talk to him a little bit more about it. And he reiterated a lot of the same stuff. Just I asked him if when he was a player, as a catcher, did he ever have a situation where a manager had to come out on the field and get in between him and an umpire to keep him from getting ejected? And he said he's sure that's happened in the past. And he didn't really like the way that the umpire was showing him up. He actually kind of turned and got into Murph's face, he said. So he came out really not with the intent at the beginning to get ejected. He's really th- sat there to protect his player. But then he started uh, voicing some concerns about the strike zone. Then he knew he was going to get ejected at some point. And the funniest thing that he said was someone else asked, hey, uh, how long does it take you to get over being ejected from a game? Does it take you a while that night to stop being angry? He goes, oh, no, it's medicinal. It Actually, it makes me feel a lot better. It gets some of those frustrations out. What's worse is what I don't get thrown out. And then it sometimes takes a little bit longer to unwind after a game. Well, that should be no surprise, right? I mean, we've seen moments like that where I think of Steve Kerr, somebody who's done it a number of times where he's like, I'm getting run this game. I need to light a fire under my guys. We need to change the attitude, change the mood. And for an A's team that in that game on Saturday, I mean, they lose 2-0 on Friday night. Saturday, they come out and they were battling back. Matt Chapman hits the big home run. And then here comes uh, Donovan Solano tying the ball game for the Giants. But the A's, I I mean, do you think that was a moment that sort sort of spun the mood of the team or lit the team up a little bit? Because they were in that ball game and then Sunday, they came out and Cole Irvin absolutely shoves on the Giants. Yeah, I don't think that Melvin would actually take credit for it, but he definitely said after Sunday's game that we came out with some fire and he's, he used the word fire twice. 
And that's not really something, Melvin doesn't really go out there and say, you know, do a lot of exaggerations or anything. He's pretty even keel about pretty much everything. He was extremely impressed with how they came out in the first inning. First, you know, Elvis Andrews gets the first base hit off of a Sammy Long curveball season. And then the way that uh, Matt Chapman, after Olsen singled, Matt Chapman drilled that fastball in the center right center field. He was really impressed with how they came out because the guys could have been pretty down after that game on Saturday. That was a tough loss. They gave up two leads late in the game. Bullpen was, uh, you know, struggling. Part of it wasn't their fault. Montas didn't go that far. He only went five innings, so became a bullpen game kind of early. But the bullpen's been eh, a little bit off lately. And so he thought they may be a little bit down. But apparently Cole Irvin brought donuts uh, for the boys in the morning on Sunday before his start. And he said that that got everybody in a better mood. Any word? Was it Bob's Donuts? Do we know what he picked up? It should have been Bob's Donuts, right? Actually, I should. I should next time I get to talk to him, I'll ask him. I'll say, you know, did you did you go Dunkin'? Did you uh, did you go Bob's? Did you, you know, did you just go like to a local spot that we don't know about? Krispy Kreme, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Krispy Kreme. You know, get some crullers. Some, did anybody have some jelly-filled donuts? See, that's oh, these are the things that uh, I have to figure out as a beat writer. See, these are the hard-hitting stories that now that you're on the beat every day, this is the stuff that becomes important. We need to get this information from you, Steve. Absolutely. uh, All stuff to follow up with Cole Irvin about. Maybe a good place to jump off or to continue to talk A's with is Cole Irvin. Now, like, it's funny because I look at the Giants now. We've been waiting sort of all season for them to get the recognition. On Monday morning, Major League Baseball or MLB.com names the Giants the number one team in the power rankings, which I think then is a good way to look at the A's and look at how teams compete against the Giants. The Giants' number one deficiency, I think, is hitting against left-handed pitching they saw two of them this weekend and Shamanaya pitched pretty good against them on Friday and then Sunday Cole Irvin just the third pitcher all season to go deep against the Giants and Bob Melvin after the game said hey the Giants are kind of like the Tampa Bay Rays of the National League as far as how they grind you out with their long at bats how they get their uh, the, the opposing starting pitchers out of the game what did you take away from Cole Irvin's start and I think they're 5-0 and in his starts this month he's been fantastic in the month of June what do you make of him and his spot in the rotation because the A's have dealt with a little bit of a, I don't want to say pitching problems, but Jesus Lazardo gets optioned. Obviously, they're dealing with Mike Fires trying to come back. Frankie Montas has been pretty good. Bassett's been fantastic. What do you make of what Cole Irvin has brought to this rotation? Yeah, Irvin actually wasn't expected to make the rotation in spring training, but he pitched so well in the spring that they had to put him in there. They had to slot him in, and then Fires. I think Fires is if they get anything out of Fires this year from the rest of the year, I'll be surprised. I think that he's. He's, he's going to be probably on the shelf the entire time. Maybe he comes back in September. We'll see. But he's not a guy, actually, who I don't think has the talent at this point that Irvin does either. Irvin's younger. His stuff isn't amazing, but he's really crafty in terms of how he changes speeds on his fastball. And his command is the best on the team. He is always around the strike zone. And that sort of plays against what the Giants do. The Giants just grind at bats, like you said. And they try to get pitchers out of the game by the fourth, fifth, sixth inning at the, at the latest. You know, only three guys have gone seven innings. Only two guys have gone eight innings, including Irvin and Joe Ross. So, And also left-handed, like you said. I mean, extra bags. Uh, Andy Baggerly's notebook on Sunday You know, talked about how they have a tough time against left-handed starters. So I think Cole Irvin is like sort of the perfect nemesis for, for the Giants in terms of uh, <laughs> for the A's to have a good day. And, and Manaya had a great start too. And uh, he just, you know, his team didn't score for him. So he, he ended up getting the loss, even though he was pitching and hitting in that game. But yeah, I think Irvin actually, he's really sort of figuring stuff out. He said after Sunday's game that he didn't, he only threw like 10 pitches in his bullpen, but he did what they call dry work, which is not throwing, but just working on your mechanics. Maybe you're holding a towel 
well to sort of mimic your motion. And he's working on getting his foot about a half foot further down the mound. And he said that really helped. So I think I, I looked at the scoreboard at one point and he had pitched to 17 Giants hitters and he had thrown 14 balls up to that point. So that just shows you that he was around the zone the whole time. Well, and he's a guy who doesn't strike out tons and tons of hitters. I, I think he's got 60-something strikeouts in, in almost 100 innings this year. So he's not a guy who's going to blow you away. So when you've got good defense behind you and the A's played some good D, I thought, pretty much all weekend, actually. Um, yeah, you're right. He, he may have been the perfect nemesis for the A's to salvage a game on Sunday. It is funny. You talk about that dry work. Baseball's the only sport, I feel like, where they'll tell you that a guy is getting healthy again or is getting work in without actually playing the game. Like, we all wonder about Clay Thompson. Like, when's he back out there taking jump shots? When's he playing five-on-five scrimmage? Images. baseball they just tell you yeah he's doing dry work or he's uh, he's gone back to baseball related activities that's one of my favorite terms in in uh, baseball reporting cracks me yeah up. baseball activities trevor rosenthal may start baseball activities this week <laughs> and that, that would actually be a, a huge get for the a's and probably alter what they do at the trade deadline they're obviously going to be looking for relief help but if trevor rosenthal actually can come back this year from thoracic outlet surgery that would be huge They've actually done a pretty good job, I feel like, over the last few years acquiring pitching at the deadline. They snapped Homer Bailey a couple of years ago. They brought in Mike Minor, I want to say, last year or the year before. Are there some targets you think that are out there? That I know early in the season there was a lot of talk about Trevor Story. Is he still in the cards? Is that somebody that they would, would take a gamble on, or do you think the focus is just on relief help at this point? I think the focus is mainly on relief help. Right now they only have one left-handed reliever. And Jake Diekman has been good at times and not so good at other times like he was on Saturday. So against the Giants, I think they definitely would want some more relief help and probably another outfield bat. I don't see Story as being an option. For one, the A's farm system is okay, but they don't have, I'm not sure what the Rockies would want. And they can get into a bidding war uh, going for Trevor Story, a guy that good at the deadline. And also, they really seem to like Elvis Andrews. Melvin absolutely loves him. And he's starting to hit more. He hit second first uh, for the first time all year. He was hitting you know eighth and ninth pretty much all season. And uh, I think fifth one time this, this whole season. And then he hit second on Sunday and started the rally in the first inning that got the A's on the board. His defense has actually improved as the year's gone on. I think it took him a little while to get used to playing next to Matt Chapman because Chapman's a third baseman who ranges so far to his left. So sometimes Andrews is like wondering, do I need to go to this ball to my right or does Chappie have it? I don't know. And this, it seems like their communication's gotten better as the year's gone on. And they just love him in terms of his personality and leadership. So I, I would be absolutely shocked that they even went for any shortstop at all, to be honest. And he's a guy who knows the division, as you pointed out, a veteran, but a guy who's been around for a long time. And I think a lot of managers in baseball would tell you, I'd rather have the defensive shortstop than the, the shortstop who can hit because you need him to, to captain that infield up the middle. In thinking about other guys who are, are great with the glove, you mentioned Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, man. This The first tier of voting is finished, and we're into the final tier of voting for this all-star team. And Matt Olson, who's like ranked second or first in almost every offensive category for first baseman, is nowhere to be found. This is... I don't want to say it's a travesty. It comes down to fan vote. Obviously, the A's are a smaller fan base. Some would say even like a niche fan base. But this is a guy who needs to be getting the attention across baseball because he's a guy who absolutely, if if the season ended today, Steve, he'd be an MVP candidate. What do you make of this voting system? Do we need a different system? Do we need a heavier player vote? Is there a way to go about this differently? I mean, odds are he makes the all-star team anyway as a uh, as a reserve. But the fact that he's not even being considered as one of the top first basemen is is kind of a travesty. 
Yeah, I think he's in fifth right now. Even if you had like any sort of different system, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. not only has the name recognition from his dad, but also this, he's been a monster all season. He's, you know, he's a triple crown candidate. So Olsen, I think, has got a better glove, but I think Vlad would have been the starter no matter what system that you use. So I don't really know if it's that big of a deal. He's going to make the team. There's no way he doesn't make the team as a reserve. And then one way that maybe when he gets there that – he could sort of make a little bit bigger name for himself on the national stage is compete in the home run derby. Melvin has been outspoken saying that he should do that if he's uh, able to. And I think that we'll see that. And people actually see that one thing about Olsen that's really interesting. Yeah, he's a two-way player in terms of the fact that he can play great defense and he can hit. And he's actually hitting for a high average this year. But he's got one of the prettiest swings, if not the prettiest left-handed swing in baseball. People don't know that because the A's play on the West Coast and they're a team, like you said, sort of a niche market, even though they're in the Bay Area. Not many people know what it looks like to see Matt Olson really lay into one. So if he gets uh, into the home run derby and pulls a UNS Cespedes and goes crazy, I think that he's going to have a much higher profile as time goes on. And then you're going to have Yankees fans all saying, oh, when are we going to get Matt Olson?" <laughs> that's that's the way it goes. And Oakland A goes off and Yankee fans ask, when is he on our team? Just sort of on that note on the way out here, I look at the infield there and, I, and you know, obviously Marcus Semyon leaves after last season. He's a guy who I'd hope the A's would bring back just being that he was a local guy. Matt Chapman is obviously a cornerstone type franchise player. Matt Olson as well across the diamond. You have a, a feel on which guy would be more likely to stick around. I get the feeling Matt Olson is a guy who could be in Oakland A for a long time while Matt Chapman, I know there's been no real talk about it, but uh, it feels like he's a guy who would who would depart Oakland for another city well we have the whole Howard Terminal thing in the balance so I think that's a a part of it but although if even if Howard Terminal that passes with the city and they're able to actually break ground at some point it's going to be you know several years before they're able to get that site ready and to build a stadium and open it up and the A's have said you know explicitly we're not going to really expand the payroll until we have a new stadium yeah it would be tough I think at this point to to trade Chapman because I think his value is a little bit on the downside coming off the hip surgery. He's hitting better uh, these days, but he started off pretty slowly. Olsen, you could actually trade him for a pretty nice bounty at this point, but I think they're not going to do that. I mean, with the postseason uh, in the balance, I think they're going to still go for it and they're going to be buyers, not sellers at the deadline. In terms of extension, if you had to make me guess, I would say that I would agree with you that Olsen would be the most likely to end up staying in Oakland for the long haul, but yeah, we'll see. It could be it could be neither of them, but it would be hard to imagine that both of them would stay, even though they both really like each other and like playing for the A's. Steve, great stuff, man. The only thing we need you to work on is finding out where Cole Irvin picked up his donuts for Sunday's star, man, and then you'll you'll be uh, you'll be on top of your game as the A's beat guy, man. I'm on it. And then uh, obviously the next step would be I'd have to actually do a taste test for a future story as well, you know, and maybe expense it to the athletic. I don't know if they would allow me to expense donuts, but it's worth a shot. It's not too expensive, and that's the move, dude. That's how you get some donuts. You say, Cole, I want to write a feature on you going to Bob's and see how you put your order in, and then then you follow him around for a day and take him up to Powell and, and hit some Bob's donuts, man. So, hey, Steve, we'll catch up with you uh, closer to uh, either draft time or the end of the season, man. But uh, thanks for stopping by and keep up the great work. Thanks for having me on. All right, nice diving into the A's with Steve Berman. I know we spend so much time talking Giants on the podcast, but nice to get a, uh, a touch in with Steve, who's, of course, now covering the A's for The Athletic at BA Sports Guy on Twitter if you want to give him a follow. Thank you to Steve. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We'll pick back up on the Warriors tip on Friday. John Hollinger of The Athletic going to stop by and join us. The Warriors are given picks number seven and number 14. We talked to Anthony Slater about that 
earlier this week, and already there are rumors about where those picks could be headed in exchange for a top player in the league to join Steph Curry, Draymond Green, and Klay Thompson. All things we can talk about with John Hollinger on Friday. Until then, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you Friday. 